Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so happy you guys could make it with us today. I was able to welcome everybody who was watching online during offering, so we're so happy that you guys are with us again. And uh, yeah, let's get started. God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the season that we're walking into as a church, as believers, and we just thank you that as we dive into this uh, next season of life, that you are with us, that you're for us, that you are not against us, God, and that whatever you set your mind to, you accomplish, and you've set your mind on us, and we appreciate you picking us out, not because we are special, but because you, oh God, chose your believers before, and God, we say yes to your will, we say yes to your plans, and God, if you can use anybody, if you can use anybody in the river region here in Alabama, God, we just ask that you use us. We make ourselves available. We open our hearts. We open our ears. We give you everything that we are in your mighty name. Amen and amen. God's good. He is. You know what's great is that we don't serve a dead God. Just think about that for a second. Of all the people in the world that are currently doing their best, that they're striving they're bowing down to all these other, either physical gods, you know, the, all these statues, or metaphorical gods chasing money, chasing fame, whatever that god may be. We serve a living God that actually cares about you. All the other gods just care about what you can do for them. But God cares about who you are. He cares about you. You know that he cares about you. He cares about you. Everything and every thought he thinks about you is a good thought. Isn't that good? <laughs> and I think a lot of times, I was, I was driving on the road on Friday, and this idea kind of, you know, you have those moments of ideas that are these eureka moments that you study whether it's in school or whether it's in personal life, you're trying to attain, to acquire something, all of a sudden it just clicks. Remember when your kids figured out about math, it just, certain things just clicked. Bill's still working on it. But whenever, you, or, or tying your shoes, or whatever it was, it just, all of a sudden they went from struggling to experts overnight. There are those moments in my life where I've studied to show myself approved. I've studied the word. I've done my due diligence. And then there's these moments when you're minding your own business and something happens. Y'all know what I'm talking about. These, these, we will call them God thoughts. These moments that out of nowhere, you weren't even thinking about it. It just happens. On Friday, I was driving on the road and I had one of those thoughts. And to be honest, it changed the course of what I was preparing to speak on. So last week we talked about Jacob and how he walked with a limp. You remember that? Got some feedback about that, about walking with a limp. I was going to backtrack Jacob and talk about what led up to that 
and the encounter that he had in Bethel with God, recognizing that spot that God was there. And the irony of ironies is as I was preparing in my mind to recognize a spot that God was there, I missed the idea that God was actually with me. I was studying about him so much, I wasn't paying attention that he was there. I'll put it this way. Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, you study because you think the salvation is in the words when I'm here in front of you. You are doing your due diligence to learn when you have the experience right in front of you. And that was kind of what was going on in my life as I was just studying. Just, uh, I'll cut grass and I'm studying. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm, I'm, I'm being a complete Bible dork. And I'll start like Genesis on a hit play. And it will just read through my ears as I'm cutting the grass. Just meditating and studying and doing all these things. And so on Friday, I'm driving down the road. And I am just like silencing every sound that I could possibly silence. So that I could think through my thoughts. And then out of nowhere, this thought comes in. That was totally out of the blue. And that was this, is that, that God, a lot of times, gives you the what before the why. God gives you the what before the why. What that means is, Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth. He did something, and then later on we found out why he did it. In church services, like we had last week and the week before that, the week before that, and that we're having this week right now, because I can feel it right now, is that he's going to be doing something before he tells you why he does something. Have you ever found yourself in a moment, maybe at a church service, and you're like, whew, God's here. Did you RSVP for that? Did he look at you and be like, hey, by the way, write it on your calendar, six months from now, I'm going to show up to church. It's going to be amazing. Mark it down. No, he did something, and then it puts people like myself, like pastor, in a weird position because we see something happening, and now we have to explain the why behind what just took place. And so we stand up there, and we listen, and we're being very non... It's not cool. I would love to have it all together and just have these really cool one-liners, but they're, they're not there. So I just stand there, and I'm like, I don't know. And I'm quiet, and I wait. I wait for the why. I wait for what's going on. But a lot of times we're the exact opposite. We want the why before the what. And John, we see the story of the lady with the issue of blood, right? The story goes like this. There's a woman with an issue of blood. She had a blood disease. She went to every physician she could possibly go to. She spent as much money as she could possibly spend. She did everything that she could do. Every snake oil salesman to whatever you could possibly think of to try to make it work, and it didn't work. She has this moment of clarity. She goes, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I'll be healed. I know that story. So she sneaks through the crowd, grabs the hem of his garment, gets healed. Jesus turns around and goes, what just happened? It's cool for me because two things took place. Number one, we have a backstory because of what took place. If she never would have gotten healed, we wouldn't understand all the stuff that she went through. 
So we have this preparation as a movie scene. It's building to this epic ending of healing, where in reality, that's not how she did. Reality is, she just lived her life. Then a what took place, and we get the story. The craziest part, part two, is this, is that Jesus didn't know it was going to happen. Think about that. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't be like, oh, hey, finally you got here. Glad you could make it. No, what happens? He says, who touched me? He was startled by something. The disciples go, what do you mean who touched you? He said, virtue left me. Something just took place. I'm so in tune to the presence of God that when it shifts, I'm stopping everything to ask what just happened. How in tune are you with his presence? Do you recognize when something happens? Because I was driving down the road and I didn't even know he was there. How about this? <laughs> Later on, Jesus lives, he dies, he rises again. He shows up to two men who are struggling. Has a whole conversation with them about what just took place in Jerusalem. And then disappears. It before their eyes and they go, huh, That was him! How many times has he walked the aisles of your life, sat with you at a coffee table, at a lunch table, and you didn't even know he was there? This idea that God shows up and the entire world stops for his presence isn't true. He shows up a lot of times and we don't even recognize it. Because we're expecting to be prepared for something. But a lot of times God gives us the what before the why. He shows up unannounced and we're... There we are. Here we are. Then we get a why. But can I tell you, that is the lowest elementary form of his presence that he wants to do. He does not want to continue to show up unannounced. Come on, somebody. Y'all talk back to me. I know, I know we got a lot, of, a lot of people in here that, that are just sitting there, but y'all can talk back for me. Let me know you're with me. So he, what he does is he starts off with giving you a taste of who he is. And it's supposed to spur on an appetite. And then, as you continue in that process, he then lets you know the why before the what. Does anybody, does anybody know what that why looks like? Take a shot. Interactive today. That's where prophetic words come in. A prophetic word is the why before the what. When he looks at you and says, I'm doing a new thing, get ready. He's letting you know there's something about to take place. Are you going to get ready? He's letting you know you encountered my what unannounced and you enjoyed it. And now I want to expand it to tell you when it's coming back. The difference is, is that when he shows up unannounced, it's his responsibility. When he tells you he's coming, you have a part to play. You have a piece to play. And it's not a piece in performance. Oh, God is coming. I must fast until he shows up. Oh, God is coming. I need to scream a little louder. I need to dance a little harder. I need to jump a little higher. I need to put my, my three-piece suit on all the time. I need to anoint myself with oil. You know what this is? I, 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 I. What he's asking for you to do is, I want you to come expecting, not performing. Yeah. 
prophetic words open our eyes for greater expectations because God wants to encounter a new generation. A generation is not based on age, by the way. It's a season. We have spring, summer, fall, winter. That's not how he operates. His seasons can last years. His seasons can last decades. He had a season of prosperity over Solomon's life. That was a long time. That was a long season. Then we see short seasons. He determines those seasons. Remember what he says in Daniel 2, right? I am the Lord. I set up seasons. I set up kings. I tear them down. I put up seasons. I make them stop. I'm the one. He's the one. He's the one. There's a season about to take place. And here's the crazy thing is, you're already in it. (laughs) When I say it's about to take place, this isn't one of those, and God is coming back one of these days. You're, You're in it. This is something that... It's been, been prepared for a long time. You just didn't know about it. But it's not been prepared because Pastor Allen did something special. It's not been prepared because our worship team hit the perfect notes. And we just opened up a portal into heaven. He goes, finally, you let me out. No, it's, it's been prepared on his calendar. And he's walking. A few weeks ago, I said, he's coming back. The funny thing was, he corrected me and goes, I'm already back. You're just missing moments. And I went, woof, that's a kick in the face. How many moments have I missed? There's ways to stop this. Give you a heads up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, you have your Bible open up to that one. I guess I should too. 1 Thessalonians 5. If you're looking for 1 Thessalonians, it's right before 2 Thessalonians. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 5:19 says this. I'm going to read out of the Amplified on this one. Do not quench, which means suppress or subdue the Holy Spirit. Do not spurn the gifts and utterances of the prophets. In other words, do not depreciate prophetic revelation or despise inspired instructions, exhortations, or warnings. He's not talking to himself. He is saying, do not quench. In other words, God has given you the power and authority to release or to retract. What the Spirit does in your personal life. And what He does in the corporate house. I ain't getting no love. Remember Jesus walks into town. I don't want you. Get out. He said, okay. Goes to the next town. Boom. Bottom falls out. Signs, wonders, miracles. You have the ability to quench it. And here's what's unique about God's presence in a corporate setting, which would be this. More than you by yourself is that the Spirit will move two rows next to you, two rows beside you, behind you, in front of you, to the husband or wife sitting right next to you, and you sit there like this and go, I got nothing. And he goes, that's right. That's right. That's right. Three ways to kill it. Write these three things down. Number one, control. You control it. You want to control it. 
I make this joke, but it's not a joke anymore, that God has this idea that he is God and he's in charge. And now we're finding ourselves in a spot where we want to control what he does and how he does it. It's fall time in Alabama coming up very shortly. We'll speak that into existence in the name of Jesus. Um, and uh, grass ceased to grow, heat dropped. Um, and uh, what's happening right now is that people are beginning to prepare themselves for weddings. Anybody got a wedding invitation already sent for coming up? Yeah, we got one person. Wow, okay, we got some people. Fine. This is interactive, y'all. Um, and what's funny is that we get wedding invitations so that we can know the why before the what. It would be one thing if I looked at you and be like, hey, what you doing this weekend? No, oh, not much. Hey, can you meet me over at the church for a little bit? And you show up thinking that I'm asking you to help me paint a wall. And lo and behold, there's a wedding. Just wanted you to come. But we get a wedding invitation so that we can prepare ourselves for an event that's about to take place. When I say there's a wedding coming in, you're invited to your friend's wedding, you're a bridesmaid or a groomsman, whatever it may be, you prepare yourself by getting the right outfit, making sure you know where you're supposed to be and when you're supposed to be there, probably buying a gift on top of the $200 suit you just bought, And then you walk into a place with an expectation. What kind of expectation do you expect to see? A wedding. If you walk in and you see circus clowns running around, that's weird. <laughs> what's the difference between this and what's taking place is that a lot of times God doesn't tell us the why before the what. We just show up to a wedding. Can you imagine just, you know, like old flash mobs when you'd be at the mall or whatever it was, and all of a sudden everyone would just start dancing randomly? I remember those on, on Facebook or whatever it was. Can you imagine just walking? Have you ever just showed up at a wedding on, by accident? That happened to me. I was at the beach, minding my own business, doing my own thing, and out of nowhere, this lady starts walking up and sitting in chairs. I'm like, those are fancy beach chairs. I didn't realize that I placed myself in the middle of her wedding plans. I'm sitting there, no shirt on, got my bathing suit on, and my super white self just laying out on my, on, on my blanket. And this lady's like, hey, so we're having a wedding. I'm like, oh, my bad. And I just slid myself over. So I'm that weird guy that's possibly in their photos. It was, it was beautiful. They came in. They walked in. They did their ceremony. I could hear it all. I'm watching it all. I'm like, this is fantastic. I just experienced a surprise wedding. It was a surprise to me, though. A lot of times, Sunday services, God shows up. It's like a surprise wedding. It's a surprise to you, but not to him. It's not to his angels. It's not to his presence. It's not to his power. He showed up with a plan in place. You just weren't paying attention. And what takes place is God is wanting us to RSVP to the next encounter. The problem is, we have opinions. How many of you guys get an RSVP for a wedding and you call the bride and explain to her what she should wear? What kind of flowers she should pick out? What songs they should dance to? 
Y'all call the groom and said, this is the exact color suit you should wear. You should show up at this exact time and you should stand in this location. No, 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 no. I understand you guys want to do the whole candle ceremony, but you're not doing that anymore. You're doing the sand ceremony. That's your special music? Horrible idea. I'm going to plan something else for you. Y'all mock me, but that's what y'all expect on a Sunday service. You want to control his presence. I will go, God, as long as boom, 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 boom. It looks like I want it to look. You understand that weddings are beautiful parts. They're beautiful things, but cultures are different. If you ever go to an Indian wedding, they'll spend a million dollars on a wedding. They flex hard. Have you ever seen that like on HGTV and you see these weddings and they're riding in on elephants? I'm like, that's expensive. Come in on a helicopter. Kanje Zupka comes sliding down on the, on the speed rope to get married. You're like, this is incredible. It's a show. Can I tell you, that would freak white people out. <laughs> Just being honest. Can you imagine we're at a ceremony right here, and all of a sudden, boom, the doors come open, and the groom comes in on an elephant? I'd be like, what just happened? Didn't see that coming. Half of you guys would be like, this is amazing. The other half is like, who's going to clean this up? We like our elephants in the zoo, behind walls. And we like God's presence contained, so I can look at it from a distance without experiencing the mess. We, we want to have his experience, as long as it doesn't have the mess. As long as the animals are over there, and, and they've got that person to pick up its messes, we're okay. Because we want the sidewalk where... You remember back in the day, Montgomery Zoo, they had the gorillas that you could walk up to, and then every once in a while he'd get mad, and poop in his hand and throw it at you? Y'all remember that? Does anybody else remember that traumatic? Yes! You know they stopped that? Because people complained. I thought it was one of the highlights of the zoo. I would stand off to the side and just watch. I'm like, well, this is going to be great. This kid has no idea. Cow! And then he would just cry. And you know what parents did back then? They laughed. <laughs> oh, little Johnny just got, got pink eye. <laughs> From the zoo. Had <laughs> no idea it was coming. Oh, and we all loved it. We loved it. He cried. His mom would get the water hose, wash his face off. And then we'd make fun of him every time. Oh, there's oh yeah. yeah. What's that smell? Yeah. But then it became a problem because there was a mess to clean up. And so now we control the mess. God wants to come back, but he's not expecting you to control him. Just like a bride or groom doesn't expect your two cents in their wedding. They invited you to attend, nothing more. If they want your advice, they will ask for it. There is a time when God looked and goes, we need to talk to Abraham. Before we wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that story? That's a relationship. When was the last time God showed up to you and be like, hey, I'm thinking about showing up to church on Sunday. What do you think? He doesn't. 
but your body language and posture and whether or not you're encountering or desiring to encounter does speak. Okay, we're good. The second thing is, the way to kill it, is we are critical. Paul tells us, test every spirit. When somebody gives a prophetic word, test it. But you know what they don't do, Bob? He doesn't say test. <laughs> he doesn't say test the experience. He says test the spirit. Those are two different things. Well, that wasn't given the way I think it should have been given. He never asked you. I think that was out of order. Good thing you're not in charge. I don't like how loud that was. No one asked. She shouldn't have ran around the sanctuary. Why? I just, I, I don't, why would God do that? Have you walked in her shoes? Have you experienced what she experienced? The oppression? How do you know at that exact moment, she, everything in her body just lined up and she got healed for the first time she could run? But we going to criticize somebody because it's not what I want? You can kill it. Criticize it. Go for it. Have you ever had that friend that's always negative? And I use that word in past tense. Had that friend that was always negative? Yeah. Why do you had that friend? Because you stopped telling them things. You stopped experiencing life with them because all they had to do was, oh, you got that car? Hmm. I probably would have got a different color. You know, Alabama red clay is going to look horrible on that one. Gas mileage? Oof. You know what takes place in Saudi Arabia? Okay. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You criticize. I want to strangle that person. There's no but. I, I want to strangle that person. Because one of the quickest ways you're going to kill the presence of God in your personal life is with your tongue. And it's not because of doubt and unbelief. It's because you have a critical spirit. Mark 15 tells us, 16 tells us to go into all the world, baptize. Ah, come on. Let me read it out for you perfectly. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and he who believes is baptized is going to be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17 says, And the signs will follow those and believe. They, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly things, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. That's in verse 18. Today, I couldn't find my shoes. True story. I'm walking around the house in a full suit with no shoes. Walking and walking and walking and walking and walking. And I cannot find my shoes anywhere. Have you ever lost a shoe before? It's aggravating. But at least you know if there's one, it's got to be around somewhere. I didn't come home with one shoe on. They both got to be here. The problem with me today was I couldn't find either one. So my mind is just playing tricks. Like, did I, take, did I come home barefoot? Which isn't out of the realm of possibility for me. So it's not. So I showed up to church this morning in my socks. 
Walked into my office thinking they were there, weren't there. Went into the shop. Why would my dress shoes be at the shop? Because I'm Pete. They could be there. I don't know. They were in the shop. Went to my truck. My truck is clean. I'm like, I can't find my shoes anywhere. Went home, walked back through it, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to grid search this thing out. One room at a time, we're going to grid it out. That's what I'm going to do. And I did. Couldn't find my shoes. Couldn't find them. So you know what I did? I got a different pair of shoes. Gave me those, Mom? I got, I got different ones. I knew it was inappropriate, I guess, for me to show up to church in, in, in socks. So I got my black shoes to go with my blue suit, which is fabulous. I'm sure you guys get. The problem is, this wasn't what my intended it was supposed to be. See, Jesus tells us to go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize, lay hands, cast out demons, speak in new tongues. Isn't that what it says? Where does it say if you want to? My version says they will. This is what you're going to do. See, the problem is, for me, I couldn't do what I wanted to do on my own terms, so I substituted with some different things. And what takes place in our lives and in our churches is that we're not seeking after the presence of God anymore, so we substitute it for new things. How about 1 Samuel? I think it's 15. Uh, where God, through the prophet Samuel, tells Saul, the king, to go to Emelah uh, and kill them all. Wipe them out. And if you don't understand what that means, he gets graphic. I want you to kill every animal every child, every woman, and every man. Every animal, every child, every woman, and every man. Don't think that left anything for interpretation. Saul shows up after wiping them out. Hey, 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 Samuel, I did what you said, exactly what you said. In fact, the verse says it like this, and I love, I love Saul's just, just craziness. And he says, hey, hey, blessed be the Lord, for I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Samuel says, what do you mean because I hear the sheep in my ears? What are these oxen that I hear? And Saul says, oh, I've brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord thy God. And the rest, we did exactly what you said. Then Samuel said, shut up. He says, stay here. Have you ever had that issue with your mom? Maybe you as a mom or a dad? When the kids do something, you're just like, if I open my mouth, I'm going to say something I regret. Just, I'm going to walk away. You sit there and shut your mouth. I'm going to come. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Can I get a witness in there from some parents? That's exactly what he did to Saul. I'm going to walk away, and I'm going to talk to God, and I'm going to be back. That's what. And, Samuel said, and then Samuel said to Saul, stay, and I will tell you what God has said to me tonight. I'm going to call you daddy. We're going to have some words. That was the worst. That was the worst. Just spank me. Mom, just get it over with. Wait till your daddy comes home. Y'all remember them days? That ruined your afternoon. 
Because I got home at three, dad get home at eight. I'm like, oh, there goes my day. I'm like, mom, can you just like, just give me something? I know dad's going to give me three licks. Can you just give me six? Just double down. Just get it over with. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Samuel says to Saul, when you were little in your own sight, so this is after he talked to God, he came back. This is, this is the, <laughs> this is after Samuel calmed down. Did you get that? He said, stop, I'm walking away. And he came back with this statement. When you were small in your own sight, were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord anointed you king and the Lord sent you on a mission to utterly destroy the sinners and the, and the Amalekites and fight against them until they were consumed? Didn't he just tell you to do all that? Then why did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoils and did evil in the sight of the Lord? Hey guys, can y'all keep up? Verse 20 says this, And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed. That's the spirit of stupid right there. I did it. And I've gone the way which God sent me. And I brought Agag, the king of Amalek. And I've destroyed the Amalekites. But the people. God, we're back in Genesis 3. That woman you sent me. But the people, verse 21. The people took from the spoils of sheep and oxen. The chief of the things to be utterly destroyed. To sacrifice to the Lord your God, Samuel. We did this to sacrifice. We did a good thing. Samuel says, Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings? And sacrifices in obeying the Lord? That's a rhetorical question. Yeah, dude. God loves a good sacrifice. Behold, it is better to obey than to sacrifice. <laughs> he later on, he goes, for rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. You rebelled. So let's bring these two together, if we can. Mark says, go into all the world, preach the gospels, lay hands on the sick, speak in new tongues, cast out demons. You go and do that. And now in 2021, our churches are saying, but we'd rather be community service leaders. We're substituting. Does God not like it when we serve our community? Of course he does, baby. But we don't sacrifice his presence for good deeds. The presence is supposed to transform us to do good things in the world. Not, I'm scared of the presence, I'll just do more good deeds. What we're doing is we're doing the great exchange here. <laughs> we control, we criticize, and we substitute. God loves it when we serve our community. He loves it when churches serve their community. But you know who else serves their community? Walmart. They're sending trucks right now to Louisiana. You know who serves the community? Kiwanis Club. Rotary Club. 
There's a lot of people that serve the community, but do they have the presence? See, we're supposed to gather together to experience an encounter that changes us and the people who are with us to go and do something. Not, I, I can't control that, so I'm just going to start ahead and do. Remember a time my dad said, wait for me to get home. Not in the bad ways, and we're going to go and do chores together. I didn't feel like waiting, so I just did. In my head, dad will come home and be like, hey, thanks for doing that. You did a great job. You cut the grass. All of those things. The reality was, I hit the volleyball net and wrapped it around the lawnmower, which then created more work for him. And what's happening is is that we're high-fiving ourselves because we're more like Walmart than the church in Acts. We substituted. We substituted. But there's three things to do more. The first thing is desire. You've got to have desire. These are the three things we really need to focus on. Number one, what we're not going to do there's not going to try to control what he wants to do. When it's not what we think, we're not going to criticize because it doesn't look the way we want it to look. And we're not going to substitute it for something man-made. Okay, I, need, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of pushback here. Let me help you out. Entertainment is amazing. Entertainment is fantastic. Entertainment stimulates the senses. But it doesn't refresh the soul. if I got time to go here. You're right, Bill. All right. Remember when y'all were dating? For some of y'all, that was 800 years ago. No. Um, Or you were newlyweds and you were broke and you would work 12 to 16 hours a day and you'd get off shift and all you could do was think about being with that person. Do you remember those? Were you exhausted? Yeah. But you craved their presence. Because in their presence, your soul would get refreshed. You didn't have to go on big, huge, elaborate dates. You didn't have to do anything but hang out at the house. Eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then just be. And now what's taken place in a lot of our lives is that we're substituting the power of each other's presence for having to do these elaborate things. We st- and what's happening is that we're substituting passionate relationships for extravagant trips and wondering why when we come home, we still fight. Because we substituted what we used to have, and we took our money and resources, 
and conjured up something here that's exciting, and we go on vacations, and we have a lot of fun, and we laugh, and we post on Instagram, and we're the best couple ever, and we get home, and we're, we're going to keep this going, babe, and 24 hours later, your mama. Why? We substituted. We stopped doing the work of the presence and investing. Pastor preached, uh, he preached during offering about when you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. That's just not about money. When you sow sparingly in his presence, why don't you get the encounters? Because you're not looking for it. When you're passionate about somebody, you don't have to do things that are crazy. You just be, and you're refreshed. Over here, we've decided to stimulate the senses, and then we come into churches, and we're creating Cirque du Soleil Church Edition. We've got people on tra- trapeze flying across the screen, and we leave, and that was incredible. Was your life changed? No, but it was cool. I got goosebumps. Beyonce can give you goosebumps. <laughs> go to a show. They're incredible. I haven't been to Beyonce's show. I don't mean, I'd like to go. But they, they have incredible... Have you ever been to a concert and you're like, oh, my hair stood up on the back of my neck? That wasn't God. That was, a, that was good sound, incredible lighting, and a cold AC that just blew across the back of your neck. You're like, oh, that was incredible. Selena's in this place. No. Tracy told me that he went to a Celine Dion concert and fell out. He fainted like a girl at Michael Jackson. (laughs) We find ourselves substituting the presence for entertainment. And that's why we go into church services and we rate our churches and be like, I wasn't feeling that today. Whose fault is that, baby? (laughs) You didn't bring it. All right. But you showed up. You showed up for what? Why did you show up is the big question. You expected to have an encounter. That's a different story. Because that's the second thing that we're supposed to do. Our very first thing that we have to keep going is our desire. Our second thing is our expectations. We have to desire an encounter and we have to expect an encounter. Because what you look for, you entertain. If you ever find yourself wanting to buy a car, F-150, F-250, a Jeep, whatever it is, and out of nowhere, they're everywhere. Why? Because your eyes are telling you what to expect, and you look for it. See, the, David says, as the deer pants for water, my soul desires you. Have you desired God recently? Have you been looking for his presence and his encounter? I'm glad you showed up, but are we just doing our, I checked it off the list and went to church. Now my soul's okay, but I'm going to go back and live in hell? No. We can't keep living that life. You know what happens? We spiritually burn out. If all church is, is listening to some music and listening to a podcast, stay home. Stay home. But if you're coming with an expectation to connect with believers and to connect with the Lord, come and bring that expectation. We need that. I need you to come with an expectation. You know why? Because expectant people draw from God. They put a demand on something. Expectant people crave something. If you go to a wedding and expect a wedding and you sit there and the bride doesn't show up, the groom doesn't show up, and like, hey, we changed our plans, but here's some finger foods. We've got some little tuna fish squares. 
Hope you enjoy. You'd be disappointed. We have to come with expectations. <laughs> How about this? Ah, is it Acts 5? I think it's Acts, Acts 15. Acts 15. Peter and the disciples are in the synagogue doing their thing. And they walk out. And out of nowhere, seemingly based on scripture, out of nowhere, people start bringing in sick, demonized, and paralyzed people. For what? Expecting what? From how? His shadow. Where the heck did they get that idea from? Where is that written? Thus says the Lord, when my shadow cast upon thee, you will raise up again. And it wasn't one person, Bob. It says people came all over the place and we just dropped them, hoping that the shadow would hit them. And I'm sorry, I understand technology has come a long way in the past 2,000 years, but how a sun hits a shadow hasn't been new. Hoping that his shadow would hit them, it's kind of obvious. There's the sun, there's Peter, line of sight, guys. The only way that happens is if it actually had happened beforehand. For that many people to get the idea, if you have one or two crazies, that's okay. That's wishful thinking. That's wishful thinking. I wish Peter's shadow would hit me and then I would get healed. But to have people travel all over the place tells me there was a memo that was sent out that when he walks, things happen. Expect it. And then they would tell people, because remember, they didn't just hop in their Teslas and have it automatically drive them to Peter. That was a journey of expectations for something to take place. They wanted it. They needed it. And by God, they were going to do everything in their power to not stop it. So when they would go up to town and they would show up and be like, hey, where's Peter? Where's he going to be? What's going to go on? They're now having to get the information to figure out where they're supposed to be. What time does he leave the synagogue? Because if it's at 2 a.m., you know, at 8 a.m., the sun's different than at 8 p.m., which side of the road am I supposed to be on? They're preparing themselves for their expectations. Have you prepared yourself for an encounter? This is the problem that I'm having with my generation. And you know what? It's not just my generation. Old people are the same way. Our expectation is, I showed up. Do it, God. You got 55 more minutes. At 12 o'clock, deuces. You missed your moment, God. I told you where I was going to be, when I was going to be there. I'm not saying that we have to lock ourselves into a room and beg for him to show up. But after all, he is the creator of the universe, right? And he's subject to my timetable? And he's subject to what I want when I want it? And how it should look. Bless me in these parameters upon this time. This ain't McJesus. And what's crazy, if I go to McDonald's and pay for something and it's wrong, at least I go, they gave it the best. Because they probably did. Being honest, the other day I ordered a 10-piece chicken nugget meal and I got a filet of fish 
and some French fries. I was like, they gave me the French fries, though. <laughs> I'm proud of you guys. Good try. And I ate it. I didn't take it back. I'm like, hey, for effort, guys. I guess, yeah. I'm like, is it Friday? Did I go Catholic? I mean, like, it's Fish Friday. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, no. I'm like, okay, good for you guys. I've got more grace for McDonald's than I do God. And then I showed up. I did a half a hand raise, God. I sing that half of course. But on Saturday, I'll go to an Alabama game two hours early. Show up horse, spend $150 on a Coke. <laughs> that John Boy and Billy knock over halfway through the game. And go, best experience ever. But I ain't going to give God more than 55 minutes. And want to know why my life ain't changing. I want to know why I'm not getting delivered and set free. I want to know why I'm not growing with God. I know what time it is. What are we doing, y'all? That's not what church is supposed to be. You're supposed to desire his presence. You're supposed to expect his presence. Last thing, you're supposed to celebrate his presence. Celebrate it. We are supposed to find ourselves in an excited spot to see it. Have you been to an Alabama-Auburn game? They're fantastic. But you know what's crazy? When they come out the tunnel and you're expecting it because the countdown timer's coming on and the lights start to flash, everybody without a cue, no one's running around going, hey, 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 here's what you're supposed to do. But all of a sudden smoke shoots out and you lose your mind. And you are so excited to watch. And you know what's funny? In two weeks, two weeks, two Saturdays from now, Alabama's going to play Mercer. Mercer. They're going to play Mercer. And you know what's the funniest thing? That there's going to be fans from Mercer in Tuscaloosa. And when Mercer comes running out the tunnel, you know what they're going to do? Scream their heads off. All four of them. Mama and her two buttons. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> yeah, they're going to scream and clap. You know what's crazy for me in this whole scenario is? We celebrate what we have expectations for. And if we're expecting God to move, we'll celebrate his move. For instance, and it's whatever. I'm not asking you. You may have done a lot of this, but we'll, we'll just do texting. We, I, I can't tell you how many people in the past three weeks, four weeks, have come to me and be like, man, God's presence is getting thick. Signs, wonders, miracles, it's happening. We're on the precipice. I'm excited. I'm like, I'm excited too. I'm expecting big things. Me too. The next question is, are you celebrating what he's doing? And there's three ways we celebrate. We celebrate it in the house. We sing, we shout, we worship, we amen. We recognize we celebrate it when someone else gets something. When you see somebody else get the deliverance that you're hoping for, you celebrate it. You don't go, really, God? 
it's not spiritual bingo and they got the cross first. He's not on a miracle shortage. He's not on a budget. He's better than our government. He just makes it rain. That's what he does. With no inflation. It's beautiful. We celebrate that. We celebrate it when his presence are here. We recognize it. We anticipate it. We feel it. We know what's happening. We celebrate it when we see somebody else go through. And the third way we celebrate it is we celebrate it by leaving here and telling others what God's doing in your life. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. But here's the big thing, and we back up to the very beginning of my message. Are you recognizing his presence? Do you even know what to celebrate? Do we know what we're looking for? I'm not saying we're looking for the miracle. That's obvious. But what leads to that is the presence. Because can I tell you, his power is wrapped in his presence. Sometimes that's messy. You know what's the most messiest part of God? Is transforming lives. Can we commit that when somebody's life is transformed, we're not going to judge? Because they're not as prim and proper as you. I get that you were dealing with this incurable disease and God healed you and you went, that was cool, thanks Jesus. I get that you got a report from the doctor that you're going to be dead in six months and you're like, yay. Hashtag worship hands. But that other person who thought they were planning their funeral is now running laps because they got healed? Ah, that's just a little bit too much. How about when David brought in the presence of God? And he strips down to his BVDs and runs around? We have this idea that David stripped naked and ran around naked in the street. It's not what he did. He took off his prim and proper kingly robe and kept his underneath clothes and ran around. And they were upset. His wife was upset because you should keep your status front and forward. No, guys. That's not what we're doing at New Life. When somebody gets delivered and they lose their minds, we're going to high five them. As they grow in the faith, we're going to show them some stuff. We're not going to leave everybody in this mode. But can I tell you, have you ever seen a baby be born? It's disgusting. It's, no, it's disgusting. There's nothing cute about that. You see them on this baby, they come out and they're all perfect. This hair's fixed. I'm like, that thing's six months old. No. It's ugly. Got a coned head. They got acne. They're yellow. My babies are ugly, y'all. I'm sorry. Yours may have been cute. I was not. You can ask my parents. They didn't take photos for three years. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, they kept cutting out my photo, <laughs> photo out, of the, out of the Sears and Roebuck guy. I'm like, this is my son. He's really tan. Oh, wrong side. There you go. No. Ah. <laughs> we celebrate. It's what we're supposed to do. Because our testimony of his deliverance and, his, and his, his life-changing encountering is what we're looking forward. So here at New Life, let me explain something what's going to happen. Is that you're going to increasingly see more times where these are wide open. They've always been open. 
but intentionally open for an encounter with God. Because when we come with expectations, we're expecting, you ready for this? We're expecting demonstrations. Demonstrations are physical demonstrations. Somebody gets healed. Their lives are transformed. Demonstrations are soul demonstrations where they were dealing with a tormenting spirit. Whether that's casting out a demon or they just felt peace. And their soul was refreshed. That's a demonstration of his power and presence. Sometimes a demonstration is going to be supernatural demonstrations when it comes to signs and wonders, miracles, prophetic words, utterances. Uh, People are going to have themselves uh, speaking in tongues. And then lastly, a demonstration is going to be a spirit demonstration. There's no greater miracle than when somebody gets saved. That's the best. The Bible doesn't say, and all angels lose their minds because you're, you stopped walking with a limp. We will celebrate because we saw Bill, who's hunched over, now standing up, and we will lose our minds. But somebody got saved, five people got saved, and it was a good service. It was good. It was good. No. Demonstrations on a weekly basis. This is how I'm going to close. The Bible tells us that, that, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. How many are filled with the Holy Spirit? You're filled with the Holy Spirit for you. It's life change. Acts 2 tells us that on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit rested upon them. When the Holy Spirit is resting upon you, it's so that you can demonstrate out there. You're filled for yourself. He rests on you to demonstrate. And one thing I'm telling you that's going to be taking place here at New Life, just to just kind of give you a heads up of where we're going as a church, is that the resting of his power is going to be evident in a Publix just as much as it is on a Sunday morning service. And it's not going to come from Pastor Allen or myself. It's going to come from you. And these are the things we begin to expect. So here's how we're going to close out. I'm going to pray for you guys. And I'm going to give you guys some marching orders for this next week. Father God, we just thank you for this day. God, we thank you that we are in this place to be in your presence. We are in this place to seek after your presence, not just to hear a good word, not just to go through with emotions, not to have some good music, not just to give some money. But God, we came for an encounter with your presence and power. And today, Holy Spirit, we say have your will. Let your will be done. Have your way in this place. Change lives. Instruct our service. Let it not be based on a calendar or a schedule that we make up, but God, let it be based on what you want and how you want it to see. God, we commit today that we will not try to control your presence. We will not tell you how to be and how to do. We give you free reign. God, we will not try to criticize your presence when it's not what we want or how it makes us uncomfortable. But God, we will test every spirit, and if it is of you, we will celebrate even if we don't understand. And God, we will not substitute your presence for any kind of entertainment. But God, we commit today, right now where you are online, listening, in person, make this commitment today that God, I desire your presence. I desire your presence. Like a couple deeply in love who desires to be with each other, God, I desire your presence. And maybe that's the first thing you've got to ask yourself is, do you find yourself in love with him today? 
do you think about him and his presence? Do you dream about his encounters and the things he's going to do? And that's the first thing we've got to stop with. In Revelations it says that they have lost, the church lost their first love. It's time that you do a gut check and say, God, I, I want to fall back in love with you again. In love with your encounters, in love with your presence, in love with who you are. I desire your presence, God. God, we have expectations. We expect you to blow our minds, challenge our thinking, do things that we weren't expecting. God, we have expectations that when we show up, you have demonstrations. And God, whether that means eating up talking time or worship time or whatever it may be, God, we just thank you that we come with an expectations of your demonstrations. And God, I just thank you that today we will celebrate and we commit to celebrating your presence in us and your power on other people. And God, we just thank you, God, that even if it's not at our time on how we want to look at it, that God, I just thank you that we will, will celebrate miracles that other people get and that we get in your name. Amen and amen. Here's what I want you guys to do over the next seven days. Is I want you to do some gut check about your desire, about your expectations, and about your celebrations. Begin finding yourself looking through Psalms. I would encourage everybody to read Acts. Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4. Walk through what God did in the apostles' life. Have expectations of God doing the same thing in your life. One thing you'll notice if you start reading is that very little of that stuff happened in the church. Most of it happened in the marketplace. Begin stirring up those expectations. Lastly this, I want you to do some homework and think about every time that God has done something in your life. Celebrate those victories. And listen, listen to other people's stories and celebrate with them today. As you're out and about, and your coworker gets a raise, celebrate with them. When you're out and somebody else does something that you wish you could do, celebrate with them. All right? We love you guys so much. We're excited that God's season is here, and we can't wait. So next week, bring somebody. Pastor Allen's got a great word. It's going to be an incredible time. And I can I tell you in advance, RSVP, God's going to be here with an encounter. Amen. We love you guys. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.